welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. Good fam, Kyle here. Wanted to welcome you back to Value Adds Value. Thanks for checking out this episode, uh, the second part of our conversation with our boy Gary Gray Jr. Um, just fam through and through, um, and one of the smartest, most dedicated. Uh, there's not enough good things you could say about Gary Gary Gray Jr. Um, I'm so glad we got to connect, and hopefully. As the world, you know, kind of maybe spends a little bit more on its access, we'll get to connect with him a little sooner. Usually, we try to get him about twice a year, so we're glad to connect, hoping to get his wife on sometime soon as well. But um, the second part of the conversation, just a continuation, really talking about um, listening to multiple stories, how to learn, um, and just really diving deeper into Wilkie and Gary's experience as black men and talking a little bit about how we can grow out of this time and get better and learn and and share these experiences with our kids in a way that makes a difference for them so um can't say thank you enough for being a part of this for showing up and and for being in this um profession with us whether you're a teacher a student a stakeholder we we love and we value we honor you for being here so thank you so much for listening to this episode we hope you enjoy you know i grew up in what most people say a disadvantaged you know environment single parent home there was five of us my mom worked you know we all started working by the time we were 14 years old to try to help make sure that she didn't have to do too much you know all of those things were, were disadvantages but there were some advantages that I had that most people didn't. My grandmother was one of the state mothers to one of the largest churches on the planet. And so that meant whenever I went, my last name alone got me into places and got me out of trouble and got me to get certain things that I probably shouldn't have gotten. That's privilege. You know what I mean? That's privilege. And because I can recognize it as privilege, I can also recognize the disadvantage, but I think a lot of people, they recognize the privilege, but don't recognize the disadvantage. And that's where the conversation has to start. You know, I told my wife, you were privileged. You were a black girl growing up in the hood in Houston in the early eighties and nineties. And you had both your parents at home and they both had full-time jobs. Y'all are like Richie Rich, you know what I mean? Y'all, y'all. That in, in the minds of everybody else, because that was not the experience for everybody in your neighborhood. I know because I went to school with them. You know, most of them were struggling with single parent homes. You know, some of them were living with grandparents or living with aunts and uncles. So I think it starts with recognizing your privilege, but then also recognizing the disadvantages that others have encountered because they did not have that privilege. I agree. I agree. It makes me think of, um, uh, what's her name? Chimamanda um, Adichie, the danger of a single story, and just like how it's just like she has a TED talk online, and it's uh, called "Danger of a Single Story," and it's literally 
what you're talking about, like how oftentimes people have ex one experience with a person and that experience makes you believe that every other experience you have with a person that looks like them is going to be the exact same way. Um, she has a TED talk about that and it's just like phenomenal. And it also makes me think about the book that I'm reading currently. Um, her name's Austin Channing Brown and this book is called I'm Still Here. And she talks a lot about her name, which um, her parents have basically given her because it sounds like a white name and it's going to allow her to walk through the world with opportunities. Um, I don't want to say too much about, about it, but like it honestly has been one of my favorite books so far this year. Um, and listening through it, through audio version um, and just her experiences growing up in a privileged house. She talks about how she had everything. She grew up with everything, but then at the same time, walking into a workplace, um, going into a store has been just so different for her. Um, it's a it's a great listen. I, I would highly recommend it to anyone listening um, and to both of you as well. Um, but no, I agree. I think it's how do you put yourself in those situations where you're listening to multiple stories and getting to know people on a deeper level? I agree totally. And we have to get that, you know. And it's, I, you know, I, I know people who who dis are going to dislike when I say this, but I think America and Canada both proud made pride made. Prided themselves on the idea of being this melting pot of immigrants. Oh, hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I mean that. I mean that's that's that, that's that's what their pride was. Come here, everybody, all are welcome. Um, but yet and still, in order to have that melting pot, and I know that you have to know every single thing that's in it. And everything in it has to know that it is and that it exists. And I think in our culture, there's so much focus and attention put on white American culture. You know, in, in Canada, the, the French, the white French culture, uh, where it's not so much the, the, the whole story. You know, like the, like you just said, and I'm I'm curious to look at that TED talk. It's like I want you to just look here. I don't want you, no no. Don't ask me questions about natives that were that were dark skinned. Don't ask me about Columbus's own logs who said he encountered people that looked like they came from Ethiopia. Don't 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 bring those things into question. You know, those are from Columbus's logs in 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 1492. But yet and still, we don't talk about that. We, we give this facade that I want you to tell, I'm gonna tell you the history that I want you to know. And when you do that, not only do you disenfranchise the people, you, you shortchange your culture because in order for a culture to really mesh, everything has to be independent, but codependent or interdependent. That's the word I'm looking for. It has to be independent, but also interdependent. If I made a beat right now, I can't make my hi-hat so loud that you don't hear the bass 
or the snare. I have to make sure that everything is in itself what it is, number one. Number two, and that it's blending with everything else. You know, as a band, I was a, I was a band, band person. I was gonna say a band geek, but I, I, was, I, was, I was a band trumpet player. And they would tell you that it should sound like one, one sound. I remember tuning our instruments and everybody had their tuning note. And when we played the same note, it should sound the same across. And when you get that feeling, there's a resonation that comes through the room, the reverberation that just vibrates and it just sounds so beautiful. And I remember doing that over and over and over and over again. Like, why are we doing this? And my band director said, because I want you to know what music feels like. And I think that, that we, don't, we have not experienced that as a, hum, as a human species to know what does true humanity feel like. You know, we have spurts and you have, oh, we're going to start a relief fund for this or or let's send this to, to dig wells in Africa, or let's do this to help the people in the Sudan, or let's, let's do this to help the people of the tsunami. But that's short-lived. Because the very people you're helping out, you'll, you'll, you'll turn around and shortchange them on something else that, that they need and, and won't, won't, won't um, supply that for them. Or you'll do just enough to keep them subservient to you and your goals and not letting them blossom. You know, I remember being in college and you know, they used to always say, it's enough out here for everybody to get it. Over 7 billion people on this planet. There's enough for everybody out here to win. And the problem is that, do you really want people to win? Or do you want to kind of dictate it? Yeah. So. Yeah, we've been and and we've been talking, you know, a lot on the podcast and with some other teachers and just with ourselves is like this mentality that I think is not necessarily American, but not just American, but it's very pervasive is the idea that for me to win, someone has to lose. And, and I think looking and 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 I and I feel shame about the fact that until a couple of years ago, I didn't know what the term redlining meant. And I didn't know that after World War II, African-American soldiers were not given the same benefits and given the same opportunities. And, you know, they didn't ever teach me about the covert racism that came after they supposedly had gotten rid of the overt racism with the Civil Rights Act. And all of that feels like, and maybe it goes back to our history of literally selling human beings, that in order for us to win, that someone has to lose. And, and I just, and, and I love what Will said, that there should be, there's enough money on the planet, there are enough resources on the planet, there are enough jobs on the planet that everybody could be successful and everybody could be happy. But I, it, it's just such a hard thing to ask. I'm not ask, not the right word, but to think or to get even just to get to that mindset where you can say, like, just because someone else won doesn't mean I lost. Just because just because I won. Someone else has to lose like we can all we can all win. And what's that book? 
what book is that? Um, the Infinite uh, Game? Infinite Game, where he talks about that. You know, that in the Infinite Game, there are no winners and losers. Yeah, but in a finite uh, game, is that Simon Sinek? Simon, yeah, Simon Sinek. Um, yeah. He, he talks about how in life there are finite games and infinite games. And the finite games are set rules with set players. You know the outcome, like basketball. You play four quarters, whoever, whichever team has the most points wins. Then he talks about infinite games like education or business where, yes, you set quarter markers and you have these things, but the whole idea of the game is to perpetuate it further and to continue to play. And it just feels like so much of our culture is I mean, and, and just think about our branding and our marketing and the things we talk about. I mean, yeah, great. You've got 14 billion TikTok followers and you've got this. It, everything shows you that having the most and having the best is the right way to live life. And it, it reminds me of, and I forget who, I think it was maybe a Gary Vee saying of, you can either be rich by making more money or you can be rich by wanting less. You know, and so many people feel like to be rich, they got to have more, but I like the practice of not having as much and being happy with what I've got. You know, we definitely can. Yeah, that's, that's, um, yeah, that's, that was a good conversation there. You know, I, I always look forward to having you on the show, man, because it, 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 it's just, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 but again, I, I, you know, I even talk to my students about our relationship and how, you know, you have two black men here with two totally different experiences. You grew up in Canada. I grew up in Houston in the United States. But if we really sat down and started comparing notes, was it really that much difference? Oh, yeah, definitely not. I you know, know what I mean? <laughs> and when you think about that experience of, of Black people, that it really doesn't matter where you are. You know, we, my wife and I were watching a Netflix show. Uh, I can't think, of, can't think of the name of it. But it talks about, it, it was kind of dramatizing the, the Black culture in, in the UK. And how the crooked how the crooked police and the politicians were you know purposely taking resources away from the black community and putting them in other communities in order to enhance these communities and kind of marginalize the needs and you had these group of friends who went to had an opportunity to go to private school you know and all this and i'm like but they still brought that culture from where they came from into the mix and i told my wife i said you wouldn't think of uk you know i know people you know who, who left America to go there saying, oh, it's a better chance to go to Europe to live as a black person. But is it really? You know what I mean? It's like, that, that is probably the most universal thing around this, this globe is that they don't want, and, and I know people are gonna say this generalizing, but it's like, for some reason, there's a conspiracy against the black man and the black woman excelling in society to a point that that rivals that rivals 
our European counterparts. You know, we don't call people in America, we call black American. You know, you have Japanese American, Chinese American, Latin American, but you don't have white Americans. They're not Italian Americans. They're not. Why? Why, why, why do you brand and label everyone else but not yourself? You know what I mean? And it's like, it, it just, it, 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 like I say, it caused me this year to really do more reading on the history of, of my people. You know, my daughter's been saying, Daddy, we need to take a DNA, DNA test to find out exactly where our people came from and da 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 And I'm like, you know, part of me wants to do it um, just to kind of know. Because again, when you're stripped of everything, the only experience that I have, as far as I go back, is my great-grandparents who were slaves. You know, their brothers and sisters who were slaves. You know, and hear their stories, and I know that our story started before there. You know, before there was a master, that there, there was there was a story there. And whereas most people, you know, when they build these legacies and you know things are passed down from family to generation to generation to generation, they're tracing their roots back. They're saying, "Oh, you know, we were the, we were, you know, we we're the fourth Irish parents to get off the boats." immigrants to get off the boat in, 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 in Virginia, or, you know, we were the first this to get off. I don't know. You know, I don't know what happened. I, I do know that my great grandfather and them, they, they bounced around between the East Coast and the South because of slavery and because of the laws, you know, but beyond that, I don't know. And so it's just like, it makes you really kind of wonder like, what is it that you're hiding? that you don't want us to know all over the world, not just here in the United States, all over the world. What is it about the black experience that the black experience, even though you say you don't like it, is proof positive that you do because hip hop is the most dominant genre of music on the planet. It succeeded rock and roll five years ago. So you think about that on the planet that everything is influenced by black culture. Turn on a commercial, I guarantee you, one in four commercials that you see on TV is gonna have a hip hop influence. Watch a movie, you're going to see hip hop influence. And that's an art form that you can't say anything else. It did not come from anywhere else except for out of the black community. And it was, it was looked down upon for years. They called it jungle music. Take that jungle music back to Africa. Nobody wants to hear that. Well, apparently, you know, almost the whole planet wants to hear it and enjoy hearing it. But if you love to hear my music so much, then why don't you want to know me? You know, and Kyle and I, when the whole George Floyd thing popped off, in my mind, I said, you know, I'm a patriot. I love, I love America. I, I, I. Still get teary-eyed when I hear the Star Spangled Banner. Um, I stand and I give reverence to the flag every time I'm supposed to do it. Um, but I told him the hardest thing for me is to accept that for a country that I love so much, Stars and Stripes, a country that I love so much, doesn't, love, doesn't feel the same way about me.
Hey everybody, just want to take a quick break from this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast to just say thank you um, for listening and for all the support. And if you've listened this far, we would love it if you could hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, leave a review, or jump over and find us on Instagram at value adds value at its.will.law.iii and at its Kyle Krieger. Um, we would love to connect with you there learn more about you and how we can help you in your teaching craft and your teaching practice so find us on instagram like and subscribe and also take a second to find us on youtube at value adds value as well so just a way for us to connect with you serve you better and help you in this profession that we all love so thank you and we'll get back to the episode And that, that's hard to digest. It's very hard to digest. I was willing to, I mean, I signed up and ready to go to war to die for this country because I felt like that was my duty. I will defend this country. That's my duty, but my country won't defend me and it hurts. And I know that experience is not just unique here. It's everywhere that there are black people on this planet. And there's a conversation that we gotta have that has to be started for people to start to heal, you know, in order to really kind of make right a wrong that's been in the works for for, for centuries. It's it's you. I don't know where I heard it. Maybe it was my wife. Like it's you can you can love where you're from and still put that place like on trial. Like you can still question that place. You can still wonder about that place. Like you can still do all those things and still love the place where you're from. You know what I mean? I think people, at least now, I'm seeing that more people get so up in arms about the questions you have about racism in a specific place, whether it's like the school system, whether it's about your country or your community or whatever. And they forget that it's coming from a place of, it's still coming from a place of love. It doesn't mean you hate that place, or maybe you do, but at the same time, if you can do both, it's okay to do both. I think people often forget that. And it tells, and I think that in itself tells you so much more about that individual um, and the way, their way of thinking. If they believe that just because you're putting them on trial or you're asking them a question, it means that you hate where you're from or you hate the place that you're working. I think that's such a, it's an easy, it's an easy way to go out. Um, and and i was thinking back to what you said about sitting with discomfort and that feels like the easiest way for people to get out of the discomfort of having someone ask them the question having to sit with their behavior and and to reckon with the mistakes that this country has made and to have still people in this country that slavery was a necessary evil to build the wealth that has continued to sustain this country and blah, 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 whatever you want to say. But look at the damage over the centuries that it has done economically. Look at, look at where wealth comes from in the United States and how much of it is inherited and how much is of it is legacy. And, and I, I hate the feeling I hate it almost as much as anything on the planet 
when I screw something up, I screw something up and Will calls me on it. It is the most unpleasurable feeling I think I have because I know that I really, really screwed something up to get called out by Will. And it's so painful to me because it's a person that I never want to disappoint. And it's a person whose opinion matters a ton to me. And, and I think that's difficulty too, is because I'm not going to walk, like, I'm not fixing to walk down the street and have a random conversation with the person about their issues on their views on race. The conversation has to start with people that are in my circle. And as one of the few people in my circles, the circles that I'm a part of that really truly has experience living and working with people of color. I feel like it's to the point where I can't not call it out now. And I'm going to piss people off and I'm going to be seen as holier than thou. And I'm going to be seen as whatever else you want to say. But I think one of the best experiences of my life in Houston was all the mistakes I made when I started working with black and brown kids. How many times I didn't understand their culture. How many times I screwed up with the way they act and how they vibe and the things they say and mistaking. Like I had a lot of discomfort my, my entire time in Houston, really. Because, I mean, you can't put someone who's lived 25 years in another place in, in a new place for aid and have that depth of experience to understand that same culture. But I, I think that really is what has prepared me for this situation because I've sat with a lot of that shame. And, and, and I think a lot of people make mistakes because they're, they're – what is – I don't remember what you said, Will. Did you say miseducated or uneducated? I do believe genuinely that a lot of people make mistakes when it comes to race because they don't know better. And they've never had an opportunity to be taught better. Right. Like, if you grow up where I grew up, you are not getting taught about race. And the hard thing is most of middle America, most of rural America is not getting that. I mean, just like this. I mean, uh, who were we on with the other day, and we were talking about um, Black History Month. Um, um, and we said that that most people, unless oh no, you said I asked you when you were growing up in in Cumberland, did you all celebrate Black History Month? Yeah, we so had you, a Black History Month. Yeah, consistently. Yeah, I mean, but it was not like it was not like a celebration. It was a time where you focused on slavery. No, you focus on Martin Luther King. You know, they, they pointed out the great of you, you focus on a few of the, um, I think, um, and I think this was Ibram X. Kendi talking about the exceptional black person, the person who defied the odds of what, you know, black people could be and, and rose up to prominence. It was a lot of those people. You learned, you just, you didn't learn black history. You learned about a few black people who had done things that were considered awesome. 
But and that and that is the joke for me. You know, that is the joke for me because your experience and what you got is the exact same thing that I got. And I went to an all-black school. So let's talk about how inherent and ingrained this is. I did not start learning about black history until I started having conversations maybe around, I would say maybe 12 or 13, when I started having conversations with some of the elders in my family. Because at that point, I'm asking myself questions like, I think we had just lost my great-grandfather, who was our patriarch. You know, he would always share stories of slavery and, you know, what they went through. But when I started asking questions, most people didn't have the answers. Were all the Black people in the United States slaves? Were they all brought over here in the transatlantic slave trade? You know, when you start looking at history and you say, okay, well, in these hieroglyphs, the Egyptians pre-Columbus, they, they got pictures of boats. There was one pharaoh that was buried with a boat so that he could travel across the seas into the, uh, into the other world. It's a joke to think that these people didn't come over here to this land. And when you do the history, they did. But we're not taught that. We're not talking. We're not taught about the individual countries that are in Africa that make up Africa. There are people who still think Africa is a country, and not a whole continent filled with countries. You know what I mean? And so that one, that one African, one African is the same. Like whether you're from Morocco or you're from South Africa, you're Morocco is not even considered African. You know, Africa. (laughs) They don't even consider Morocco Africa. They don't consider Egypt Africa. No, I mean, and that's, it's a joke because again, I, I, it's not focused on the truth. Don't don't give me a month to say we're going to focus on black history and your black history starts with the struggle that starts here. And I just, you know, one thing I think about that was so when I started learning, I, I thought was so strange is that our history books simplified the slave trade to cotton went to Europe iron ore guns and one other thing went to Africa and Africans came to the, to the U S and the Caribbean, a little diagram in about a third of a page in a history book. Like so cat, like so casual about it. Does Canada celebrate like a black history month? They do. Um, I'm trying to think like it's the same experience. Well, like this put it this way. I remember taking a course in high school. It was called um, African Canadian Studies. So in Canada, it's similar to the United States, but people identify as African Canadian or Black Canadian, et cetera. So the course was uh, African Canadian Studies. Um, it was taught by a white woman. Let's we'll put it that way. so like at the time like you don't even think about it like because again growing up like my family specifically we didn't talk a lot about like we talked about like our history in regards to like family like uncles aunts great-grandparents um but not like 
anything beyond that. So like, I didn't know any better. I just thought like, okay, here's another teacher trying to share information that I need to understand so I can get out of high school, basically. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that I go back and look at it and like, God, that was so messed up. Like their hair is literally, because all, all, of course all black kids are gonna take that course. Like, of course they want to, for one, we're not taking it because we want to learn about black history. That's just not something that we've been, um, it's not been ingrained in us, something we need to know about ourselves. We're going in that course because we want to be around each other. We know that we're going in that course and everyone from our community, there's like maybe two other kids that don't look like us. But for the most part, we know that we're going to show up and everyone we see on the block in school are going to be in that exact same class. That's the only reason why we're there. And then on top of that, we don't even notice that there's this white lady teaching us this, that probably shouldn't be teaching this course at this time. That's how messed up it was. God, oh, it was just even just changing that mindset of, and, and being a social studies guy, you know, we, there's no real good, like convincing kids, like, Hey, this is why you should learn history. There are platitudes like, Hey, if you don't learn your history, you'll be doomed to repeat it. Well, yeah, that's 100% true. Cause we have repeated our history since this country was founded. We've repeated the exact same mistakes, but uh, like, and maybe, and I hope, I really hope that this is changing, that there is a desire to learn our history, to understand where we come from. Not just as, like you said, I'm going to learn this history so I can get out of this bum ass high school and I can go do something else. You know, and, and that's how much of, how much, but if we're just talking generals, how much of what our kids do is just that? But is just you, I'm going to do it so I can get somewhere else. Right, but to speak to what Gary was saying about being in a class and knowing that this is our little village, we're in here to learn, hopefully learn something about ourselves that we can identify with, but even if we can't, we're identifying with each other. We have a place that we that we can come together and and I mean we can be black. I mean, let's let's be honest. Like, <laughs> it's a place where I can go and I can be black, and and I can be unapologetically black. And now you're talking about black people. Now you're you're giving me history. So yeah, I'm dialed in because again, you're talking to a part of me that I don't even understand yet. And I think the word I used was miseducation, and it, it, we've been so miseducated growing in all societies. You know, the, 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 the Japanese kid that sits in the classroom should learn about the Japanese history. They should know about their history. Even, oh, well, my parents, have, you know, my parents have never been in Japan, but your parents are Japanese. So you should know something about your culture. And, and when you think about it, you know, if you were from the Philippines, I, I've learned more from, you know, the Philippines that I've worked with people that I've worked that are from the Philippines and their culture is so, so diverse. But guess what? I guarantee you, if you're from there, you know it, the good, the bad and the ugly, you know it because they talk about it and you develop this sense of who you are based on what others are sharing. 
And I think that we're, we're doing a disservice to a lot of our black and brown kids by our brown kids thinking, oh, you, your family swam across the Rio Grande. They're not supposed to be here. They're illegal. So in my mind, I'm already thinking disadvantage, disadvantage, disadvantage. Not, oh, well, you know, you, you were the first, your family was the first ones off the boat. You know, we came over and they wanted a better life from you. So why is you why are you painting your picture different than their picture? How many how many Europeans were fleeing bad situations? How many? I mean, even if you went deep into Texas history, how many out that state is founded on outlaws and vagrants mm-hmm. and people that were running from their troubles in the United States into the state of into Texas, which was a part of Mexico at the time. That's what that's what it's built on, and I just man. But coming coming back though to that conversation piece, I, I think what struck me about what both of you have said is how a conversation. You know, we talk about we need to have this big, broader conversation, but truly, conversation happens one person to one person. And that's what I look at for myself. Like, how can I have more one-to-one conversations with people to start to make a change? Yeah, we can have big, broad conversations, but I think we under, it feels like everybody's expecting, like, we're going to have just this huge, you know, thousand people conversation that people are going to be changed like it's a mega church. But for me, it's. And I and it feels so much more feasible to me that I could do it one person at a time. Even just even just starting with my students. Cause I have, you know, my my charter school has got a lot of white kids. And it just it feels and maybe it's just like I we've this is probably the fifth or sixth podcast we've done this week. And it just feels like every conversation has just led on top of each other. And it feels so timely that I'm just like in the spot where I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta get up. I gotta get up and I gotta do my part. And and for me doing my part is like have being willing to have those conversations. We were talking with principal Ra a couple of weeks ago and he's like, you know what, man? Cause my hometown is like, it's bonkers the things that people are willing to say to one another on the internet. It is insane. Like if you are a Republican, they are saying the worst things, not about Democrats to, to other people in the community that are democratic. And these are people that probably live like three blocks down the street. And I was talking to him about, I'm like, what's my, like, I don't live there anymore. What's my responsibility? He's like, but you have experience and that's still where you came from. And and it reminds me kind of like, this is where we came from as, as a country. That's what our country is built on. So we got to start dealing with where we came from and making it better. Cause if I, if I don't start to do at least my part, my hometown will never change. And I don't have to go back to my hometown and teach there. But I can start to have conversations and make a difference. But you keep saying the country. And what we're saying is 
this issue is international. Yeah. This this issue has no boundaries. It is a play. It, it's 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 literally like COVID. You know, it has touched every single continent on this planet. Um, because anywhere a black person goes, this image is portrayed. You know, and you know, I have friends who are African, who are from Nigeria, who are from Kenya, who are from Ghana, and they'll tell you it's the same thing. There, even blacks against blacks, if your nose is not big enough, your lips are not thick enough, you know, if your skin's too light or your face is too round, like there's so many things that we go just off of the perception, which is only because that's how we were perceived. So that's how we're gonna categorize things. We categorize red birds as red birds and blue birds as blue birds. But they're both birds, right? They're both birds. You have carpenter ants, you have fire ants. You got the little crazy ants. But guess what? They're all still just ants. And so we have to get to a place where we start really understanding who we are, who we're dealing with when we're talking with each other. And the only way that's gonna happen is that we have to reshape education to give people, give children, because that's where it's gonna, that, that's where the impact is gonna happen, is with the young people. I can't change people that, that that's our parents' ages. You may be able to have an impact on them. They may say, you are a good one, but <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's not gonna, you know, my uncle who who's still alive, if he was auditory, I can't make him think that all white people went against him when he watched his uncles be hung from trees. In his mindset, he still thinks the same thing. So you, you we have to start with education which means start by telling the truth. Start by telling the truth. Let's be honest about everything. Let's put everything on the table. You know how good relationships start? When there are no secrets. When you put everything on the table and say, this is me. This, this, is, this is what you're getting. And when that happens, you, 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 you know what you're getting into. What were you gonna say? <laughs> I know, man. It feels like it's been so long, but it really hasn't oh, been that long ago, has it? No. Oh, That's it's probably. Guys. Yeah, I mean, it's probably this is probably the first time in 2020. 2020. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I think we were, I think we were trying to springtime get back together, but then then COVID. Every everything kind of went sideways, and you you guys were back and forth. But I I really love. I really love that image you you both talked about, though, about how you go into a classroom and it's filled with black people and you just knew it was your people. And and I'm just wishing we could start working on that when you walked, you know, when different people walked into a classroom, they were just everybody was everybody's people. And maybe that's like a real esoteric thing to say, but man, it just um, it feels yeah, it feels like a something that we could strive for. Uh, I, I got, I got, I know I get crucified, but I, I was, I was under the. I, I used to always believe that the thing that hurt the black community the most 
with integration. Uh, I believe that when we stopped teaching our own, we lost a lot. Um, even to the point to where I remember being in high school and there were white teachers in our, at our school who would get more respect than the black teachers at our school. You know, some of the black teachers would get dogged out and, and, and treated badly, but the white classes, white teachers, and not to say that the black teachers were bad. It was just, again, that ingrained mindset and that transference of the mindset from one group of people to the other about yourself. Um, and, you know, I, somebody asked me the other day, tomorrow, well, could we just go back to having segregated schools? I'll say, at this point, you can't, you know, because there's been so much um, mixing going on. There's been so much that you can't really identify with where people would go, you know? And so, um, but again, I, I still just believe that the answer, the cure is education, reshaping education to, to tell the truth, to help students become seekers of truth. Don't be the followers that, that, you, that you are. Don't, don't follow this social media mindset. To, I just wanna follow somebody so I can get people to follow me. But start seeking out those, those situations of truth. Um, I think that's where we have to get to in education. You know, I thought college was gonna do that. College was more of the same thing that I got in, in, in high school. You know, sit and get what I'm telling you, believe what I'm telling you, research what I'm telling you, and that's not credible because it didn't come from a credible source. But yours is credible. You know, what makes yours credible in mine? Because they sold more books? You know, if I can align truths together and they all line up perfectly, then should it matter who's saying it? If they're all saying the same thing, you think that, that they're in cahoots and you're not? You know, it's just like I say, I think we have to, maybe that should be a paper I write, The Education of Truth. I love that. Mm -hmm. The Education that. of Truth. Because that's, I mean, I that. think about how kids would connect with, with, with math, understanding the true history of math. Think about the history, think about, the history of sciences, if you started there with teaching them about where science and why science evolved, you probably have more kids looking toward those fields than trying to be athletes. You know, and so education, we're, we're, the, we're the last hope for the world. And um, we're, what, they, what they say, we're the most overworked underpaid, underappreciated segment of America that, that's mm -hmm. out there. The world. I mean, there are, <laughs> there are countries in the world that really appreciate teachers and that. But that's Maybe what, other. like two or three? Yeah. <laughs> Sing Sing Singapore and Finland. All right, brother. Well, give Thanks, our... Gentlemen. Give our best to your wife and we'll let you know when it goes out and we will make sure to, you know, it'll be more like the, uh, in the next couple of months, we'll join back up. Maybe we should do it. Maybe we should see if we could do a couples podcast or you. Oh, that'd be awesome. It would be, it'd be insane. We should, we should put that in works. Yeah, that would be cool. Kyle, don't, Kyle, don't exclude yourself. It's okay. I am. I got to exclude myself. You too. <laughs>
All right, brother. Well, be be well. Give our best to your wife, and we'll talk soon, buddy. All right. All right, sir. Have a great. I appreciate you guys. All right, you too, brother. Be well. All right, fam. And we hope you had a great week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm sure if you follow us, you follow Gary already. But if you don't, um, Gary R. Gray Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Um, that's where he's most active. Please go subscribe to It's Personal. It's his podcast. If you're on iTunes or Spotify or iHeartRadio, just search Gary Gray Jr. It'll come up. It's a caricature of his face. Make sure you listen to that. Um, just a, a different perspective and platform for what he's doing. So um, we love you. We can't thank you enough for being a part of this. We hope you're having a great week. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon.